Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, Asher Kitshanu B'Mitzvotav V'Tzivanu La'asok B'Divrei Torah. V'Ha'arevna Adonai Eloheinu Et Divrei Torateka Befinu Ufi Amka Beit Yisrael. V'Niye Anaknu V'Zaetza Einu V'Zaetza E Amka Beit Yisrael. Kulanu Yodea Shemeka Velomde Torateka Lishma. Baruch Ata Aronai Hamlamed Torah Leamo Yisrael. Baruch Haba Beshem Adonai. Like to welcome everybody to Leklaka Geo. Game face on. Alright, so everybody suit up. Uh, we're going to go all over the place today, which is not different from any other podcast. <laughs> so, um, Leklaka, what a wonderful week. Um, to have this tour portion arrive because I don't know if you feel it, but I think spiritually it feels like, you know, where are we going? Where are we? What's happening? You know, um, transitions like everywhere, uh, emotionally, spiritually, you know, psychologically, you just kind of feel that in the, in the atmosphere. Well, I didn't get to really dive in like I wanted to on, uh, the wisdom of the months, but there's a beautiful book called The Wisdom of the Hebrew Months. It's, if you don't have it, you should get it, um, it which is funny because I don't have it, but I have access to it um, and I need to get it. <laughs> but anyway, I think that's just irony at its finest, pun intended, because I am Iron Man. But anyway, uh, this month of Cheshvan, I'm, I mentioned this on Shabbat that you know, this is this is a time for us to really grab a hold of the momentum. You know, it feels like every single month there's like this new push, this new drive. You know, the month of Elul, we were really pushing, pressing, going forward, making shuva on shuva after we've made shuva while we're thinking about the shuva and implementing the shuva. And then all of a sudden it's like, whoo. Rosh Hashanah is here. It's like, all right, now let's push it in even more. Shift it, shift the gear into the next notch, you know, because now it's the 10 days of Shuvah. You know, give it all you got. And then it's like, all right, Yom Kippur, we made it. All right, Brukashem, you got the Neila service, you got the Kol Nidre, and, or Kol Nidre was first, then we ended with the uh, Neila. And then on to putting up the Suga. Then we get into Sugas, and we're just, you know, really rejoicing, reveling in all of the wonderfulness of the holiday that it is. And, you know, some of us didn't get to take that time off and some of us did. Not going to be jealous, but, you know, hey, Burgershem, I need to work on that. Uh, but, yeah, so, you know, having those Shabbat days, but then having those Kol Hamoed days is just amazing. You know, so I got to take a few extra days off, but not all of them being with the lulav and and things like that and sitting in underneath the shadow of our emuna you know zel zal emunatka uh you know so it's just incredible and then hoshana rabbah like the final day of the seven days of sukkot taking us into the eighth day of sukkot which is actually a separate holiday called shemini Adzeret, but it's counted as sukkot so this is such a cool thing when you look at it on the surface. Sukkot is an eight-day festival, but seven days of it are sukkah-related. The eighth day is all about 
the farewell to the sukkah. We sit in the sukkah still and we're rejoicing and uh, finishing and beginning the Torah because we never end Torah study, which if you just think about that concept alone, the notion that we would never have to do commandments anymore, forget about the Torah, like that's kind of crazy which is what a whole nother faith system has come up with and led so many astray, myself included, for thousands of years. And, you know, it's just kind of crazy. So if you just look at Shemini Yadzeret alone, Simchat Torah, well, probably don't want to look at that if you're anti-Semitic, but I digress. It's just kind of one of those things where just on that notion from the commandment of Hashem, not only does he say that you should keep these commandments, you know, perpetually without ceasing in every generation, you know, generation after generation, things like that. But there's a whole holiday at the end of Sukkot about the Torah never ending. The end is rolled into the beginning. Like, it's just kind of like, OK, so. We never finished studying the Torah. And one of the comments brought down from the Torah Wellsprings was to take away any kind of accusation that the Hasatan would have that Hashem's people are, quote unquote, done with the law. So it's interesting that that is Hasatan's goal for accusation is to say the people of Israel are done with the law. They're not studying it anymore because they finished it. And then there's a whole notion and theology that exists in the world today. Don't do the law because it's finished. It's just like, I'm pretty sure Yeshua was intending something else when he said it is finished. Because they could have meant a whole host of things. But one of them, Chasve Shalom meant finishing the Torah and being done with the law. So... We're not here for that, though. We're here for Lech Lecha because where I was going with this, <laughs> pun intended, because, you know, oh, that's where I was going. Because if you really look at Lech Lecha go, I mean, it's just like saying go three different ways. It's like go, go, go. Because Lech means like this is literally the root for Halak, which means walk or Holek or Halaka which is the way we walk out the commandments. And so uh, I thought about just titling this podcast, Lech Lecha Lecha, you know, instead of Lech Lecha Go. But anyway, enough of that digression. Um, so let's go ahead and start out with the fact that I came across some things in Parshat Noach that was super interesting from the Torah Wellsprings. Let me go ahead and cue that up. This was on Pahina Cinco. They're getting into this whole thing about bad influences and a lesson that we should learn from the generation of the flood. So let me give you the intro. It says Sanhedrin 108. The Chazal are commenting. They say before the Mabul, the flood came, even the animals were sinning. Before the flood came, even the animals were sinning. Just stop right there. That's kind of weird because you got animals like animals have their instinct, their natures. They do what they do. But no, 
Roosters are like, hey, horse, how you doing? You want to hang out? You want to go on a date? It's like, you're, you're a chicken. Like, I'm a horse. Like, what are you doing? And then you got, like, all sorts of cross-species, you know. This would be probably where those minotaur things come from. The ligers and the all that kind of stuff that you see in the fantasy movies. Uh, unicorns are excluded because that is a Takash. I digress. So, that's crazy. So, let's keep going. It says, for they were mating with foreign species... Therefore, the animals were also punished and they drowned in the flood. This is why we don't have any remnants of them. Okay, so then it goes on to say, the question is, if the entire nature was sinning, it seems mankind shouldn't be punished. Corruption was in the air, affecting even animals. How could human beings be expected to go against the trend of the times? I love that drop right there. How could we be expected to go against the trend of the times? And before we get into the disturbing portion, because Torah Wellsprings is like legit. It's going amazing. And then all of a sudden the plane just crashes. It just all sorts of just inappropriate commentary just starts coming out. And it's just kind of like, what kind of source? You know, it's kind of like, you're enjoying a beautiful fountain drink and all of a sudden brown stuff starts coming out of the water fountain. You're like, what is this? You know, anyway. Uh, so, yeah. So this is the essence of Leclerca because Abraham is told to leave his household, his father's house, his family, his friends, which is so interesting because Yeshua told the Talmudim the same exact thing. Hey, Andrew. Kepha, come on, let's go. Let's get with it. Leclerc, let's get it on. Let's go. You know, like it's time to go be fishers of men. Put those nets down. You know, I got a new network I need you to join. You know, come friend me on Facebook and like friend me in real life, you know, kind of thing. But anyway, uh, so when you look at how can human beings be expected to go against the trend of the times, you can if you lek leka. You can if you're exotic. One of the beautiful things from the Shabbat table sparks that tags on to this, this is point dalit, which means the fourth point. It says in his commentary to Noach, Rabbi Monk makes the following observation about Noach's sacrifice. The true servant of God is not a visionary. That's right is not a visionary, comma, not a sage plunged into mystical contemplation, comma, not a philosopher, another comma, not a fanatic or exalted prophet, period. Okay, so let's go ahead and just say la. The true servant of God is not all of that. So all of this like, oh, man, we got this big conference coming up. We got some heavy hitters. Da, 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 da. They're going to be dropping bombs. It's like, OK, that may be something that's really interesting and intriguing. But just because that's the case does not mean that these people are true servants of Hashem. That smacks me in the face because I used to do this thing called Kingdom 150 and uh, Audience of One. And I thought I was the bomb.com backslash get you some 
backslash bag of chips and dip. You know, I had the whole thing. I thought I had this thing on lock, man. I was like, I'm a rapper. I'm a dancer. I can sing just a little bit, but I know people who can sing a lot of bit. So I'm going to take that, put that all together, and we're going to tear the stage up. Like, we're going to shut it down. We're going to have a, the biggest concert ever locally. Like, I'm going to show Dallas-Fort Worth how we get down. I'm going to show Dallas-Fort Worth how we roll. Like, I was just like, man, I got this rapper coming in. I got this dance team over here. I got this drama team over here. I got this spoken word prophet over here. I got this singer right here. Man, we're going to even have a host. And my host is going to be like legit like he's just gonna be funny or they're gonna like give us a little teaching lesson you know they're gonna bring in a whiteboard and it's gonna be awesome and i'm thinking to myself this whole time like yeah this is what true servants of god do like mm, we shut it down we got our talents and we got our giftings we're on stage and we're representing and i was just like man like this is the life all to find out that at the end of this event you go home, you know, and if you're not married, you're by yourself. Or if you are married, it's you and your 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 family, you know, kind of thing. And you're just like, so what happens now? So this is where the rubber meets the road, like hard. You know, you come down from this big high. You thought you were so amazing, you know, bringing Shemaim down. And it's just kind of like, okay, so there are dishes in the sink. They need to get washed. There's trash over there. It needs to take it out. You know, somebody needs to make the bed. Somebody's got to sweep the floor. You know, this place is a mess. Oh, I got to go to work in the morning. Is there gas in the car? You know, and life just hits you. You're like, oh, you thought you was Superman, didn't you? And they're like, well, I was, I'm Iron Man, but you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take Superman. That's that's cool. I mean, Superman's awesome. Shouts out to Ishma Ale, Mr. Weaver. Uh, but anyway, uh, so yeah, so it was just kind of like, oh. You know, just kind of like the bottom drops out. And then between that time to your next event or whatever, you're just kind of like, okay, I feel useless uh, unless I'm practicing, unless I'm making a new song, unless I'm, you know, planning the next concert, you know, man, I feel like I'm, I'm failing as a servant of God. And it's just like, wow. So anyway, this point really hits me because, you know, just from that aspect, I can't imagine people who are actual, you know, shepherds, you know, teachers and things like that. It's just kind of like, what do you do in between time? You know, if you don't understand this point that was beautifully brought down. So let me finish this point. It says his religion, far from being limited to prayers. Okay. Cause I, I don't know about you, Okay, but I'm going to be very, very transparent. I do not get to make all three prayer times all the time. Okay. Surprise. Okay. Um, there are things that just happen, you know, life, you know, uh, car repairs, grocery shopping, Shabbat prep, uh, you know, work late, uh, you know, some circumstance comes up that you have to really attend to as far as an emergency or something like that. Now, this not being a cop out, but, you know, you strive to do prayer and we're supposed to pray without ceasing, first of all. So there's that, which is why there's a blessing for everything, 
which is why memorizing the Siddur is like top priority if you can. You know, I've tried to memorize a lot of brakas because, as I said uh, one time and uh, before one of the services at Shabbat, is that you know even if you recite like part of the the Birka Hamazon, you're just like, oh man, I'm having a rough time right now. Shir hamalo beshuv zion. You know, you just start singing whatever part of that you know, or harakaman who is a kenolimo tamashiakul kaye haolam haba. You know, like just start singing random parts of the Birka Hamazon, and you like flip the script, and it's just like, wow, it's amazing. This is called prayer without ceasing. You know, it's the fact that you're speaking forth the essence of Hashem into your reality, into your atmosphere, into your heart and your mind, your soul. And so it's just like a fresh mikvah right there. Uh, literally, Torah Wellsprings calls this a Yeshua, literally salvation. Salvation is the point where it's you and Hashem connecting. That's salvation. So when people ask you, are you saved? You're like, okay, what are you getting at? Because saved is something that's constant and continuous. And it ends when you start disconnecting. So, you know, if a person's been saved, it's like, well, since you've been saved, are you currently being saved? And do you plan to continue to be saved? And do you hope to continue to be saved? Because, you know, this whole idea and overlay of, you know, get baptized and for the remission of your sins and, you know, confess and believe and with your mouth and all that. It's just like, that's great. But that's not a one time deal. It's important to know that. So anyway, just looking at, you know, okay, so we pray without ceasing. So our religion is far from the fact that we just pray. We do more than that. Obviously, this is being a Magi to the Levites, uh, a preacher to the choir, because that's that's what that is. Uh, the original choir is the Levites and the temple. Um, another swerve is I am uh, I just signed up for Spoon Radio. Uh, it seems to be a weird app, so I'm not really sure what's the dealio with that, but. Uh, I was like, you know, apparently this thing needs some tacoon to it. Uh, one of the first things that popped up was uh, a live broadcast of uh, like, hey, click here. And it's like um, the title was about a psychic reading. So I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know why that's in my list. But, you know, when you sign up, it tries to give you like, oh, check this out. Look at what's trending. And you have to go in and set your filters. You're like, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. Uh, nope you know, and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, so all that to say, it's an interesting app, but it has the ability for live broadcast and then you can save it. So like basically what Rabbi does on the Aliyah day, uh, you know, Captain Israel holding it down, lead live. But anyway, um, on this app, it has where you can do the whole commentary and it's just a podcast live <clears throat> no video. Uh, I guess you could do video if you want, cause they have an option for pictures and stuff. So, uh, on this particular thing, you could do like a live broadcast, have people listening live. They can comment, you can answer questions back and forth there. And then, you know, you have where you can just like upload a previously recorded file, which is kind of what I do here for anchor. But anyway, so I was looking at that and, um, you know, it was just kind of like, all right, 
what am I going to do? So I was like, you know what? 15 minutes a week, 15, like that for me is just obviously like what I think I'm already at 15 minutes on this podcast. So it's a challenge is what I'm saying. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to talk about the Levites in the temple. And so I have this whole thing about the Holy Temple that I put on there. I posted it actually on my Facebook and on my Twitter. Uh, you can find me at twitter.com, metlapede. Okay, so obviously it, maybe it shows up on my profiles and stuff. But I don't know. But anyway, Sleeka. So on there, I'm doing 15 minutes a week. I'm just going to talk about the temple and talk about worship. This week, I got to do like a basic intro talking about, you know, in the end times, everybody's going to come up to the Holy Mountain and Hashem is going to take some from the nations to be Levites and Kohanim. The Temple Mount is built off of uh, the place where the Akedah happened, the sacrifice of the only begotten son, Mount Moriah, like all of that is the Temple Mount and all that kind of stuff. And so just did a little brief thing just to kind of set up. So when we talk about the temple that we know what it's built on, what's the foundation, why are we doing this, why this podcast, and I did it from a beginner standpoint, so if anyone has never heard Hebrew before, if anyone doesn't even know about the temple, if anyone just has preconceived notions about the temple, whether Christian, Jewish, um, non-religious, whatever, I just did a whole just 15 minute, you know, lay it out kind of thing, so anyway, uh, I bring that up because, um, you know, I just figure it'd be great to, uh, expand out into, uh, you know, a beautiful platform. Uh, hopefully that will reach more people. Uh, I think the more apps we find to expand into will be great for getting out to find those divine sparks. Cause that's what we do. Uh, one of the last things I want to mention, cause all, the whole reason I brought this up is because I did the whole preacher to the, the choir thing in the temple. So I want to talk about the Levites being the original choir there. But anyway, um, the other beautiful thing about the Spoon Radio app is that you can post a picture and you know what I'm thinking already. Take a picture of a source. And while this source picture is up, you hit record and you can talk while this picture is just posted. So instead of seeing my pretty radio face, You'll see a, a source uh, posted. You can read the source. You can see where it's from and all that. And then I can just do a little comment on it. So it'll be like a, a, a vocal version of like Instagram or something. So I don't know how that's going to all develop. But I know 15 minutes a week I'm with the help of Hashem doing a little drop on the temple. So if anybody's interested in doing that, just holler. Uh, let me know. Anyway. That is something that I thought about doing and I'm doing it. And so uh, hopefully it works out well because I don't want to put people in these weird little places where you can get crossways with uh, immoral things because such is the way of the world today where they're looking for every opportunity to be corrupt. <laughs> it's just like, uh, okay, so we got same gender marriage going on. We got abortions going on. We got uh, you know, don't be religious, you know, live your life, instant gratification, materiality, uh, sensual pleasure, like it's everywhere. And so it's just kind of like whenever you get into an app and you don't have anything that you're subscribed to, and it tries to give you recommendations, these are things you have to watch out for. 
And so I was like, you know what? Why don't we just start taking over apps and, uh, you know, being uh, Avengers like we are. You know, we've, we're doing it with Facebook and we're doing it with YouTube and Shem, we're doing it with Anchor. So get you some of that. Anyway, back to this little point here. It says, so when we're being true servants of God, like our religion is far from being limited to our prayer and far from uh, limited to our beliefs, ritual practices or mortification is first and foremost made up of absolute devotion to God. So our absolute devotion to God is the point. It's not just that we pray. It's not just that we have all these beliefs. It's not just we just have all these ritual practices. And it's not our self-mortification. But it's first and foremost that we are absolutely devoted to Hashem. Does Hashem have the final say-so in your life? That is the question. Because that's how you know you're a true servant of Hashem. If Hashem says it and you do it, and you don't go, well, I know it used to say, or I know he used to feel like, but this is what I'm going to do, then that's where the problems come in. Okay, so true servants of God, we just all got put on blast with that because, you know, that's in the grill. It's just kind of like what, you know, when you look at all aspects of your life, who you are as a person, <clears throat> where, where do you have the final say versus where does Hashem have the final say? You know, and that's that's something that's a that's the Rumbot on Musar level right there. Uh, if y'all haven't checked out Musar Babatya, please do. It is ridiculous. She is not called Eshet Pela for nothing. Wonder Woman, because she do be throwing down. She's got them gauntlets, man. She's cling them together and you just knocked out. You're just like, why you got to do this to me? Why you got to tell me to journal about my life? Why you got to tell me to think about my day and, and look at what I need to balance and refine myself? Like, I'm fine. I'm, I'm like the most awesome person ever. What's wrong with you? And it's just like, mm, the reason you have that response is because there's something wrong with you. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, so shouts out to my Achoti, my sister. Um, but yeah, she is amazing uh, for doing that. Um, okay, so absolutely devoted to Hashem. This devotion knows no bounds. It is never failing, ready to sacrifice fortune, life itself, one's dearest affections, everything for the love of God. I mean, this right here, this is Leklika. This is the epitome of what Abraham did. One of the things we have to realize, Abraham didn't know where he was going. Hashem didn't say we're going to such and such location. Put this in your GPS and it's going to take about two days to get there. He was just like, all right, let the car, Abraham. And he's like, OK, let me go get my family and my stuff. And here we go. I mean, it was truly exactly what Mashiach did with his Talmudim, you know, like. The Talmudim didn't know where in the world Yeshua was going. Yeshua just said, follow me. And they're like, okay, I don't know you from Adam. But boy, you look like Adam. Wait a minute. All right. What? You know, I'm following you. You know, remember Mashiach, you know, is the image of God. The image of God was what we were made in. Literally the divine Adam before the fall, he was divine. 
uh, he was made in the image of a shim, so he looked like a shim, and then, you know, he failed and became not divine, human, you know, going to die, but he still look, had the look, and then Abraham looked like Adam, and then Yitzhak looked like Abraham, which means Yitzhak looked like Adam, and then, you know, Yaakov looked like Abraham, which Abraham looked like Adam, so Yaakov looked like Adam, and then Yosef looked like Yaakov, so Yaakov looked like Abraham, who looked like Adam, so Yosef looked like Abraham, who looked like Adam, uh, and then you have obviously Mashiach Yeshua, who is truly that image coming down. And it's kind of like, okay, so I do know you from Adam. Yes, I will follow you. You know, uh, Torah with legs and arms. What is this? Simchat Torah or something? Because remember on Simchat Torah, we become the, the hands and feet of the Torah. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, so true devotion to God. Leklika. This is how you go against the trends of the times. Uh, oh, the last statement, it says the sacrifices are but the concretization of this ecstasy of devotion. Our prayer is nothing but a concrete form of our true devotion to Hashem. Our observance is nothing but a concrete example of our true devotion to Hashem. So this would be why there was so much importance and so much weight in the letters uh, from Shaul, the letters from Kepha, the letters from Yochanan, the letters from Yaakov, the letter from Yehuda, you know, and all of that. This is why it was such an importance on do you love God? Remember, he loves you, you know, uh, fix your mind and focus upon him. Draw near to him. Be be covered in the blood of Yeshua. Be filled with the spirit. Uh, forsake the desires of the flesh, like all this stuff, because once you begin to uphold the Torah, fulfill mitzvot, study the Torah, Davin, uh, Arvit, which is uh, Marif and Shakarit and Minka, you know, like all these different things. These are going to now be physical manifested forms of what is spiritually there. And we wonder why the Torah became flesh, because it's just kind of like we're going to concretize this thing so that y'all know exactly what it's supposed to look like, because I mean, Aliyah day, Aliyah number four ridiculous for Leclercat because Rabbi did bring out the source about Abraham being the Torah made manifest. Yep, sure did. So check that out. That's right. Uh, I would say this is clickbait to go check out that Aliyah, but you know, I don't have a hyperlink here. But yes, check out the Aliyah day four uh, for Parsha Leclercat and get your mind blown because it's ridiculous. Anyway, so getting on to what I wanted to say as far as going against the trend of the times that, you know, we have to go and we have to be aware of being with Hashem is where our home is. You know, until we get to Bezrat Hashem, enter into the new Jerusalem with the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash, speedily in our days, amen, with the return of Mashiach Yeshua, amen, speedily in our days, and with the end of this exile, amen, speedily in, the, and in our days, swiftly in our times, amen, let's go home, Hashem, bring us home, 
bring us out of exile bring in the fullness of the gentiles yes bring them in bring in those sparks let's make this house a firehouse i mean okay anyway so until that time we our home is with hashem our home is attaching ourselves to the Torah. Our home is attaching ourselves to yearning to be in Jerusalem, the new one that is. The Jerusalem above that will descend and come to here. Yeah, supernatural stuff is going to be happening like cray cray. You know, today hearing his voice. Because remember that, that Sanhedrin uh, tractate. Of Talmud that talks about today, if you hear his voice, then Mashiach will come. Like that's that's our home. Our home is in the voice of Hashem. Okay, it's not hiding in you know our hobbies. It's not hiding in look at my amazing insights. It's hiding in Hashem, doing what he says even before we know what it means. You know, so like Anasev Nishma, we will do and we will hear. So anyway, that's how we go against the trend of the times. I can't tell you how much more I feel just so disconnected because I have people who are going, oh, have you heard this song? You heard this artist? I'm like, ah, uh, you know, and they're like, have you watched this TV show? You remember that scene? I'm like, uh, you know, and it's just like, who are you? Like, do you do you like even live? Are you just hiding under a rock? It's like, no, I'm just trying to bring the redemption. That's all. Just just little stuff like that, you know, uh, bringing the higher worlds down into the lower world, you know, praying that the Shekinah would be returned to all mankind, you know, doing things to make this world a home for God. You know, just little things. It's like, oh, you're you're one of those kinds. You're spiritual. It's like, no, I, I live life. I, I really like to eat. Um, that's one of my favorite pastimes. Uh, dance is one of my favorite pastimes too. I just don't have a kosher studio to go to because everybody wants to shake their butt and do all sorts of raunchy stuff and do yoga. And I'm like, what's wrong with y'all people? I gotta get outside the times, you know, come to the light side. It's beautiful over here. I need to be dancing to Hashemelech, Hashemelech, you know, all that get you some music, some Matt Dub up in this piece. Anyway, can tell I'm really like anxious for the Yula. Hashem, any minute now. Totally fine with you coming. You can bring it on. Ready for your name to be one. All right. So, Leklika going outside ourselves, being at home with Hashem. Hopefully, everybody got that. Baruch Hashem. So, back to the Well Springs. It says the last pasuk of Parsha Amor. All the way in Vayikra. That's where we're going, huh? It says, Moshe spoke with B'nai Israel. They brought the person who cursed Hashem outside the camp and they stoned him. B'nai Israel did as Hashem commanded Moshe. The final words, B'nai Israel did as Hashem commanded Moshe. This seems extra. Because... Then the Torah state that they stoned him for his sin as Hashem commanded them to do. So why are we talking B'nai Israel did as Hashem commanded Moshe? If they already did as Hashem commanded them to do. Well, here we go. It's about to get awkward. Sepharim state that this man who cursed Hashem was an impure source. 
about this man, the Torah in Vayikra 24.16, Leviticus 24.16, writes, Uvnakov Shem Yikuch. The one who curses Hashem shall be killed. The first letters of each of these words, uh, which I think is Rosh, uh, what they call that, Rosh Tevot or something like that. Like the first letter of each word, the first initials of each word. So we have Vav, Sheen, Yod. Yep, that's right. If you spell it backwards, it's Yod, Sheen, Vav which is Chasve Shalom, the name that uh, Yeshua HaMashiach, Melech Hagadol, the great king of our nation, uh, the, in the lineage of David, the Melech HaMelechim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Uh, yes, him. They call him Yeshu, which is, by the way, Jesus. So whenever you're saying Jesus, you might as well be saying Yeshu, which is a problem. But anyway, we digress. It says, the first letters of this phrase, the one who curses Hashem shall be killed. It spells out this name, the name of the Christian God. This man who cursed Hashem was reincarnated centuries later as this deity. Because of his sinfulness, his sinful ways, which is called Rishus, which is funny because it's uh, Rashut, which sounds a lot like Rashit. But anyway, uh, Vav versus Yod action going on. It says, um, this man brought bad thoughts into the hearts of the Jewish people in the desert. Okay, so you're reading amazingness and then all of a sudden, er, here's a slam to the Mashiach. So I want to drop in for uh, the Scarlet Prophetess and Hasis Baz. Got to spend some time with them for third meal in Havdalah. They were talking about the Zadik who has to be rejected, i.e. Mashiach, Ben Yosef. He has to be the Zadik that is rejected because that's actually what attaches him and it connects him to Hashem. And the Messiah text even brings down a Midrash that uh, when the Mashiach comes, the sages of Israel will go out to him and they will say, tell us plainly, are you the Mashiach? And he'll say, I am. And then they will reject him. So that's perpetuated in the commentary. So don't be surprised if you see things that are trying to connect Yeshua. Uh, one of the beautiful things that was asked apparently on Facebook, I don't know if it was on the Ask the Rabbi page or not, but uh, this whole passage about um, this JC or this Jesus character doesn't say he's Jesus Christ or anything, but it just says, Jesus. And um, it says he was a sorcerer. And there's a whole Talmud uh, insert about that. And it's like, is this is this Yeshua? Because this, this is really disturbing in the Talmud. And it's like, no, there are also other cases. There's one about him boiling in filth. There's another time about him looking at some woman and like doing some weird stuff. And then there's another time where, um, Let's see, he's rejected by this rabbi or this Talmud of some sort because he wanted to be uh, become a Talmud of somebody. And because he was rejected, he went away and started setting up a stone and bowing to it and leading people public into worship. And it's like, so 
there's a bunch of different Jesuses that are uh, thrown out in the Talmud. Only one of them was said to have been hung for execution on the 14th of Nisan and being from the royal lineage of David. And that's in Tractate Sanhedrin. So there's that. Uh, that's probably the closest one that you're going to get. <laughs> uh, but anyway, and then there's a whole beautiful drop about this person who's called Simkan Sason, Joy and Gladness, who's teaching during Sukkot about uh, drawing water from me uh, with joy. And the whole thing that Yeshua talks about in John chapter 7. It literally references John chapter 7. So there's that. So that's kind of what you're looking at on the surface when you look at, okay, are they slamming Mashiach? And why are we studying sources that slam Mashiach? Because over here, they'll say something else from a beautiful uh, tractate. And then they'll come over here and slam Mashiach. And then they'll go, oh, but check out this Midrash. And oh, but check out this Gematria. And oh, but check this out from the Mishnah. And it's just like, so just a heads up, everybody. That's totally fine. That just means... We have the right person as our Zadik and our Mashiach. So to just kind of give us a little bit more Shalom, Bezrat Hashem, you know, there's always been the thought coming from the church that, you know, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to Gehenna, you know, uh, on a on a Amtrak train, you know. And it's just kind of like, all right, so if people don't believe in Yeshua, if they refuse to accept him as Yeshua, what does that mean for our brothers and sisters uh, from the church and from, you know, Judaism of today and synagogues around the world outside of Lapid? What does that mean? Because you realize some of these divine sparks that are coming in are actually people who are currently sitting in church pews, currently going, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why are we doing this? You know, and er, something is not right about this. Like, I'm pretty sure we probably shouldn't be celebrating this holiday or da 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 da. Like, those light bulbs are going off and they go off really quick because we're time is kind of running out, you know, and things are really progressing and moving fast. So, I mean, it's going to be drastic shifts and we need to be ready to help people with that. Uh, but anyway, but it's things that obviously develop over time, because for me, there was a whole year of me uh, getting acquainted with Torah, even though I didn't know it was Torah. But like the Hebrew and what's the first month, what's the seventh month, you know, what's significant about these different festivals in Leviticus 23. Like I did that for a whole year before I ever got introduced to Sar Shalom or anybody who was a Jewish uh, follower of Mashiach, Yeshua. So there's already background enough there. And one of the things I like to tell people uh, at Tzar Shalom and at Lapid is that don't hold back on the information and the sources you have. Try to translate everything, you know, because if you're saying Humash, okay, what's a Humash? You know, know what a Humash is. It's a compilation of the Torah portions. It's Genesis through Deuteronomy. It's got the attachments of the different sections of the prophets that go with each Torah portion. So, you know, Genesis through Deuteronomy is broken down by sections that are studied every week, and those are called Torah portions. Each Torah portion is broken down to a daily study portion called an Aliyah. So that way, by the seven days of the week, you end up reading a full Torah portion, which is a full chunk of the Genesis through Deuteronomy section, Bereshit through Devarim, you know, talk like that, you know, and so the 
Humash has commentaries that you have probably never heard before. If you are not acquainted with what's called the Oral Torah, then you talk about the Oral Torah. This is the Torah. This is the rest of the story as was given to Moshe on the mountain. Moshe, when he went up the mountain, is contrary to popular belief. He did not bring down everything in written form. So there's that, you know. So where's all that information? Well, it got put into written form years after the destruction of the second temple and into this current exile that we're in that did we mention and did we ask Hashem may he end it soon you know because exile has been going on quite a bit long time I'm like ready to go home I'm ready for holla anyway uh, so yeah so you start talking about all these different things and break that down and so let them have it you know and just don't hold back you know so Shouts out to the Avengers out there on that and all of you beautiful Lapidniks like come on. Uh oh, while I'm at it, I want to shout out two new Avengers we got. Uh we got Aziza and this is Leia, uh one of our HCOs, get you some. She is the Shomer version of Gamora. So we now have two Gamora. So we have Gamorote, which is fitting since there are two Talmuds and we have two, two Mishnah, two Gamorote, uh, even with the Talmuds, because we have a Jerusalem and a Babylon Talmud. So get you some of that. And one of my favorites, we got Ari coming in, Mr. Nickel, as Hasin. And he is our Shoma version of Wolverine. So uh, if you see them on Facebook, you can inquire and talk to them. And uh, they both have very, very sharp objects that they use for weapons. So be careful how you approach them. Make sure you uh, announce yourself before getting too close. Because I know Aziza got quick reflexes and it's just like, what are you doing? You're like, oh, my bad. You know, and obviously, Hasin that speaks for itself. So, uh, yeah, anyway. Shouts out to Adams. All right. I just love looking at her Avengers. We got like over 55 Avengers. It's like amazing. Superheroes bring in salvation to the world. Okay. Back to what I was looking at with the Wellsprings. Okay. So just uh, be aware of that with Yeshua. And, uh, you know, it's it's all good, you know. Even us, you know, being rejected as well. I mean, it's it's crazy because it's just kind of like all we can do is be excited about our salvation, which is our connecting to Hashem. Let me see. I got I'm, I'm going to cue this up. I got to remember I'm on page five. So. Let's see here. OK, it says this is on page eight. All right, so we got the Haridim teaches this lesson with the words Ani Vaho Hoshiana. Remember that? We did that on Hoshana Rabbah, the seventh day of Sukkot. It says, These words mean that when it's Ani Vaho, which is only myself and Hashem, then Hoshiana, there will be salvations. It's important to know, like we said, salvation is not a one-time thing. Salvation is not just one thing. It's it's multiple things. It's a cluster of things, if you will. And it says, for that is the truth. 
I am alone with Hashem. This right here is salvation. You being with Hashem by yourself. This is why Yeshua could say, well, I am not alone because my father is with me. Everybody else can go away, but as long as I got my dad, I'm good. I, I got salvation. It's like, but you're salvation. It's like, yeah, so what does that mean? So that means if you have Yeshua, you should have Hashem, which means you should have Yeshua's commandments, which are Hashem's commandments, which is loving Hashem, which is loving the Torah, which is loving Yeshua, loving the Ruach HaKodesh, loving Am Yisrael. So there's all that to really take into account. It says, although I am among other people, nevertheless, I or nevertheless, since no one sees the secrets of my heart other than Hashem. No one is seeking to help me other than Hashem. No one can save me from my Zarot, or Zarot which is my troubles, which is, um, Zah, how does that word, Zara, like troubles, Zora. There we go. Uh, sounds kind of like Zohar because it's a rearrangement of those words and you get the word for trouble. So the word Zohar, which being light, also that stone that was placed in the ark, uh, is also rearranged to Zarot or Za Zara Zora Blah Tongue Twister Zora, which is troubles. This is the one that Yeshua said, you know, take heart for I've overcome the world. In this world you will have troubles, but I give you my peace, you know, take heart I've overcome the world, kind of thing. So that's where that plays in. So and it says, and no one can help me other than Hashem. No one can save me from my troubles other than Hashem. Therefore, the people around don't interfere from my union with Hashem. This is in the context of, you know, if you're davening at shul or if you're davening with a group, that even with that group, you should be just you and Hashem. It should truly be a salvation moment. And it says, there is only me and Hashem. As it states in 1 Malachim 17.1, 1 Kings 17.1, I swear to Hashem whom I stood before him. And then uh, it says, and it states in Bereshit 17.1, walk before me. This is the implication of Anivaho. There is only me and Hashem. When one prays with this awareness, there will be salvations. So if you really want to experience salvation, if you really want to do the salvation prayer, then it's you and Hashem davening together anytime that you pray. And remember, we talked about praying without ceasing. So even if you miss a prayer time, you've never missed a prayer time. You know, if you find that you are still at work and it's too late to do Minka, you didn't get a chance to, you didn't get a chance to do Shakari, you didn't get a chance to do Ma'ariv or whatever the case may be. Whenever you and Hashem daven together, you know, saying the the blessing after you leave the restroom, saying the birkat after you eat, saying a blessing before you eat, saying, you know, a blessing for smelling something fragrant, uh, a blessing for, you know, natural phenomena that happen like a rainbow, lightning, thunderstorms, like Hashem gives us all these opportunities to experience salvation. So are Jews saved? Survey says, kin. Okay, it's important to clear that up. All right, let's go all the way back to page five because I want to say this beautiful point. Talking about bad influences again. So it talks about this fact of um, the mountain, right? 
So let's see here. Let's go back over here real quick. Because bad influences. It says that uh, we learn Jew, we learn from this how careful we must be from bad influences. The entire nation in the desert had trouble serving Hashem as long as this man was alive. His impurity affected everyone, even those who didn't have direct contact. Uh, he, even those he didn't have direct contact with. So now with that being said, that's the effect of bad, okay, which they connected again to the uh, rejection of the thought of Mashiach Yeshua. Okay, so now going to the influences for good, it says included in the discussion is the importance of having good friends being among Zadikim. This is why avenging is important. Start your groups, connect with each other, share sources, share insights. Even if you think people have heard it before, you, you haven't heard it 400 times, I guarantee. But if you become Avengers and you avenge well, then you will eventually get close to hearing something 400 times. And let us rejoice in that, you know, because that's the rule of thumb. You can't ever go. Well, I mean, I guess you could because you have free choice. You can't ever go. Uh, I've heard that before. Yeah, 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 I know that. You didn't know that. The only time it's appropriate to say that is if you are joking, because that's another joke we do as Avengers. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's family history right there. You know that? You know, it's just like, wait, what, what do you mean you already know? I just learned this, you know, and it's just like Baruch Hashem. Now, when somebody else tells you, you can go, oh, you didn't know that. But no, that's a terrible, bad thing to do. So don't, I mean, do that with people who you know, like can handle that. Because it's really crushing if you find this new insight that you feel like is so monumental and groundbreaking. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah we heard that before. Find something else. <laughs> it's just like, okay, I guess if you want to go for tough love, you can do that. But anyway, um, one of the people I think about doing this to is uh, Cola, Storm, Celia, uh, because she's just like such a scrappy person. And so when she's like with the group, I, I, you know, I like it's funny. I like picking on her, I guess. I just admitted it publicly. I like picking on her. OK, so other people I like picking on the Hulk. Love picking on that guy. And he loves picking on me, too. He does the whole slam thing. I'm like, man, I just got this suit. Now I got to go get another one. He's like, Psh, you build suits all the time. You'll be fine. Walk it off. I'm like, better be glad green's my favorite color. Actually, my favorite color is blue, if anybody's really wanting to know. And then my really favorite color other than that is gray, which is silver to me. Anyway, good influences so you'll you'll act like those people who are surrounding you. So it literally says in overt and covert ways, good friends create positive influences, spreading holiness and yirat hashamayim to others. Fear of heaven. So if you really if you're lacking in fear of heaven, you might want to check your friends, homes. Okay. Anyway, it says the Gemara Tani twenty three says either a friend or death. That's it. That, they just got straight to the point on that. The Gemara is hinting either a good friend who can influence you to become better or Khalila, a bad friend whose influence leads to death. We should strive to be among people who believe in Hashem, keep the Torah and have Yerat Hashemayim 
it is very hard to be among people who deny Hashem and don't want to keep the Torah without being influenced. Here's where I wanted to get to. That is why Hashem raised Har Sinai above the nation. This is why Hashem lifted up the mountain. There are at least 70 different uh, interpretations of why Hashem put the mountain over us. One of them is uh, about the connection to the you're no longer under the law, but under grace. That's where this comes from. The precedent of Hashem putting the mountain over us because this story was completed during the days of Purim when we willingly accepted the Torah upon ourselves because at Mount Sinai, we had to accept the Torah. We had to be under the law because that was the only thing that we could do. Hashem was like, either you take this Torah or all creation has to go bye-bye. Because the only way you get into the promised land is if you take the Torah. And we're like, well, I guess we're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place, a really big rock and a really hard place underneath this mountain. And it's just like, okay, 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 we'll take it. Not saving each Hashem. We'll do. Okay. And it's just like, okay. And so soon as soon as he... Soon as Moshe went up the mountain, we were like, all right, we need a golden calf. Let's go. Oh, can't do this Torah thing. I need a golden calf. And Hashem was like, uh, excuse me, what are you doing? I'm right here looking at you. You're like, Psh, you didn't see me, Hashem. You weren't even physically here. And then that's where it gets to the whole, we walk by faith and not by sight. Like that's where that comes from. But anyway, so this was tikkuned during the days of Purim, Esther and Mordecai time, where the Persians were trying to kill us, Haman was like, yeah, King Ahasuerus, you need to kill those Jews, you need to let me lead out on that, and you know, we need to get rid of Mordecai, and all this kind of stuff, and there was a whole three-day fast that Esther called, and everybody was sackcloth and ashes, and then Hashem did this big miracle, we got to survive and even fight back. And then we killed the sons of Haman. Haman himself got killed and all this kind of stuff. And it was like, man, they had so many converts to tour. You would have think it would have been Shabbat again. It was like Acts chapter two before Acts chapter two. It was going down. So anyway, that's when we were no longer under the law, but under grace, because we willingly accepted the Torah upon ourselves, which means if we're under grace, we willingly embrace the Torah. Because it's all this, I love Hashem so much, I want to be truly devoted to Him. I want to be truly bound to Him. I truly want to let I truly want to leave myself, be beyond the trends of this time, you know, of rebellion and corruption and confusion and chaos. Like, it is so much corruption, confusion and chaos. What is wrong? Like, how do you not know there is only two genders? How do you not know marriage is only between a man and a woman? Like... How do we how do we get so far away from that uh, babies that are, you know, in the womb or newly born like that they can be aborted? Like, how is that a thing? You know, that's that's infanticide. Like what? You know, but anyway, man, where did that come from? Anyway, uh, what kind of friends we got? So let's go back to the mountain, though. So in this particular interpretation, it says... If you don't accept the Torah, your death will be over, over there. Shem te kerbur Like your death will be here. Like you're going to get buried underneath this mountain. 
which is funny because either you're going to have a friend that'll bring you Yeratashmaim close to Hashem, bring you eternal life, or you have a friend who brings you to death. And notice how it's all connected to what our choice is underneath the mountain. Are we going to embrace the Torah? Because if we do, that's like embracing our friend and being influenced to be better. Or if we reject the Torah, which would be like disobedience, then it says, now this is like the bad friend whose influence causes us to be led to death. So you have to think about this. If sin leads to death, then your friend is disobedience. But if righteousness leads to life and life everlasting, then your friend is obedience. So you can either have your friend be obedience or your friend could be death. Either way, you still have a choice. And so what's it going to be? But it goes on to say, because this whole thing about the mountain being hovered over the heads of Israel is from Tractate Shabbat 88. And it goes on to say the mountain over their heads was like an overturned pot, locking them in on uh, locking them all underneath. It implied you must remain within this camp. Don't leave and befriend the Gentiles. Don't leave and befriend the Goyim. Don't leave and befriend the nations. Don't leave and befriend the pagans. Those who celebrate holidays who are not of the Torah. Okay. Any other holiday outside the Torah, you know, uh, as far as that has all sorts of worship rituals attached to them. Namely, like, let's dance around a tree. Let's sing about a snowman and let's sit in some old guy's lap who's been spying on your children all year. Because, you know, in order for your children to get presents from this guy who's going to sneak into the house while everybody's sleeping. And put gifts underneath a tree, supposedly. Uh, that's kind of awkward. Whether he does or whether he doesn't, knowing the fact that he's supposed to break and enter into your house on this warm, cozy night and eat milk and cookies while you're sleeping and give you stuff to drive you crazy from materiality. Like, how is that even a thing? And it's like, yeah, this is this is my Lord and Savior's birthday. It's like. If that's his birthday, then what kind of Lord and Savior do you actually have? Like, what is the deal? Anyway, enough ranting on that. Oh, yeah. I, I told myself, this is part of my Musar, you're seeing it live or hearing it live. I'm going to the Shimone S-Ray because I said every time I get all worked up about this stuff, I'm supposed to pray for those people, including myself, that we do this bracha this is the i'm going to count it this is a simple tool to remember so we got patriarchs that's one god's might two holiness three insight four repentance oh hey 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 the fifth blessing that we pray or the fifth prayer fifth bracha if you will that we pray in the amidah is this and I'm saying this now for all of us who just, at least for me going on my rant, uh, for the those who are outside of Torah and trying to pull us away from Torah. Bring us back, our Father, to your Torah and bring us near our King to your service and influence us to return in perfect repentance before you. Blessed are you, Adonai, who desires repentance. Amen. So, 
look at your hand. Your hand has five fingers on it. Remember that the fifth prayer of the Amidah during the week is the prayer for returning to Hashem, making Teshuvah. Because the word repentance, Teshuvah, like it's the same thing. And so, you know, high five yourself, high five somebody else whenever you feel like you want to get in on a rent. So I, I told myself that I would do that and I'm making good on it. Okay, so little commentary says only in this prayer for repentance and in the next one for forgiveness do we refer to God as our father. A father has the responsibility to teach his son the proper way to live. But even if a son has rebelled and become estranged, the father's compassion will assert itself if his son repents and seeks forgiveness. Man, that reminds me of something. See if I have it in here that I got to read. Blessed be the name of Hashem. First Kings chapter 19 about Eliyahu fleeing from uh, Isabel, Jezebel. It says uh, in the commentary, God taught Eliyahu that he does not administer indiscriminate, harsh judgment to sinners. Rather, with silent restraint and patience, he awaits their repentance. Going down a little bit more, after showing him that he was wrong in his harsh attitude towards Israel, like after God, after showing uh, Eliyahu that Eliyahu was wrong in his harsh attitude, God commanded Eliyahu to set in motion the forces that would bring retribution to the sinners. So, yeah, so there's that. Uh, King Hazael and King Jehu, who would implement the death penalty and all that. So it continues on. But Hashem is silent, restraint, and patience to await the teshuva of sinners. And here we have this whole beautiful drop here from the Eitz Yosef about the father who has the responsibility to teach his son the proper way. And then it goes on to say, influence us to return. God never compels anyone to repent. But if a person makes a sincere beginning, God will make his way easier. This is from the commentary in the Siddur. And I love the fact that we got to bring this up because this right here is a beautiful understanding to teach us about uh, religion or faith or Torah observance or conversion or whatever. Like our job is not to go out and like force people to get this and be like, Hey, you're going to, you're going to convert or, Hey, you know, you're going to get, you're going to have a Yeshua, you know, like all this kind of stuff. You want to believe in Yeshua, like you're going to follow him. Like that's not our job. You know, our job is to give the exposure, give people opportunities to come to Shabbat, to come to Arab Shabbat, to come to Shul, to hear the words of Torah, like put it out there. We're to be a speaker box, a Bluetooth speaker box of Hashem. So, you know, no matter how crazy you seem, you know, whatever, you know, you just put it out there. You just let it fly. Let it go. Post it on Facebook. Post it on YouTube. Social media is available if you can't talk to people in person. You know, you're already uh, dressed 
every way that you're supposed to be dressed. And so that alone causes questions. And when you're out for different holidays that don't match the corporate holiday schedule, that raises more questions. And when you're not going out to uh, eat at, you know, Taco Bell and McDonald's and Burger King and all that, that raises questions like, hey, we got a catered food today. It's a pulled pork sandwiches or hey, it's a crab leg Thursday. And you're just like, what in the world is wrong with y'all? But you know, I mean, obviously you don't say that out loud uh, and try not to put that on your face because people can read body language. But uh, yeah, and people will notice, oh man, you never eat crabs on Thursdays. Like, what's the wrong? You having a crabby day? It's like, no, I'm having the opposite. <laughs> not having that, that's for sure. But anyway, so all that kind of stuff goes on and you give people opportunities to be connected to Hashem, which means you give them salvation when that happens. So it's really cool that, you know, uh, when you really look at who actually converts, who's actually a divine spark, who actually constantly tunes into the Aliyah day and comes to shul, watches online and, you know, goes back and forth with you with questions and really receives what you say as opposed to argue with you. Like the compelling always comes from Hashem. The fact that we're here is supernaturally done by Hashem. So, you know, don't ever feel like we failed or we succeeded when someone gets to do that because, you always win. Get this down. Know this. Believe this. Trust this. You always win when you share what Hashem has given you. That's important. Abraham did it. You know, like that was the epitome of it. He always went out to people. He gave them opportunity to eat beautiful, amazing food, to hear about God. Oh, man. Let me see if I can find this. Um, there was this beautiful thing about what Abraham would do every time he came to town. Uh, talking about him setting up in the square. Let's see here. Where would that be? Um, may have been a G shekel drop. Let's see. Hmm. But it was this thing where uh, Abraham would go, you know, from place to place. And in the center of town, he would set up. And, um, man. Where is that? You know, it's crazy when you read stuff. Um, and then it's just like, where did I read that? Hmm. It's got to be here somewhere. Oh, is it Rabbi GQ? Rabbi Greenbone? Please tell. Yes! Come on! Rabbi GQ. Oh my goodness. I love this guy. Like, he is mm, amazing. He, he brings us down. Rabbi, Rabbi Nachman of Breslev tells us that when Abraham would come to a town, he would stand up in the town square and start calling everyone to come and listen to him. He would ask them what was the point of squandering their lives on the pursuit of worldly vanity 
telling them to think about the purpose of life in this world, which is to find God. Abraham set the young people on fire with his revolutionary ideas and they would come running after him. Man, that is so legit. You know, let's let the let's let the gamut of uh, nothing new in the New Testament happen right now. Okay, so when the Talmudim or when Yeshua would travel to different places, they would always go to the synagogues as as was their custom. Literally, it says that, and they would always teach the people. They would be in the town squares, the city squares. Shaul, even with his crazy turned up self, even went to a place where they had a bunch of altars set up to different deities, and he went to the the altar of the unnamed deity because people didn't know who this god was, and he was like, "This right here, this is the one who you think his Torah is alien. You think you know um, his his law is forgotten, is not for today." Like this, this place right here, this is a shem, you know, like this is to the unknown God that you're talking about. And uh, that was an interesting account called Morris Hill, Mars Hill or whatever. So uh, there's that. And then you have the fact that uh, Abraham says, what good is it to gain the whole world and to lose your soul? You know, like you're chasing after all this materiality. You want to have your best life now. You want to have the purpose driven life and you want to have, you know, yachts and boats and you want to have millions of dollars. You want to have a big house, you know, all this kind of stuff. You want to have like the most beautiful, amazing spouse, you know, cute looking and shut it down on the on the runway, you know, model type thing. You know, all this vanity, 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 you know, it's just kind of like, wow. What good is that? You know, you you really the purpose of life is for us to find Hashem, for us to have salvation. That's the purpose of life. And remember, salvation being when it's just us and Hashem, nobody else. You know, that's true salvation. So I just love getting saved. And uh, it's like it's like my favorite hobby now. You know, not that I think it's a hobby, but I mean, it's it's really fun. Salvation is is a gift. It's free and it's fun. It's amazing. So yeah, that's Rabbi GQ bringing down some breast love. What? What? Okay. Anyway, so I don't remember where. I w- oh yeah, I do remember where I was. I was gonna say I don't remember where I was in the Tor Wellsprings because I'm still in Parsha Noach for some reason. It's Parsha Lekha. Anyway, so Hashem wants us to not befriend the nations. You know, as far as doing this to be outside the camp and to forsake Torah, like we're going to have to need to have some association with people who are not Jewish, you know, to bring them in. But, you know, spending time with them instead of doing Arab Shabbat or going to unwholesome events and movies, that's that's what we're talking about. Don't do that kind of stuff. That's only detrimental for you. It goes on to say in the Torah Well Springs, it says your friends, your influences, your life is solely under this canopy together with good Yidden, good Jews, not outside. If you leave, you will be confronted with negative influences and over there you will be over there will become your grave. So that's why if we leave from underneath the mountain if we leave from being hidden in Mashiach Yeshua, if we put the Torah down and stop dancing with it, 
then we will find our grave. All right, so I wanted to make sure I got to this point, at least on the podcast. I'm definitely way overstocked on content than I am with time. So trying not to be uh, stressed by that. (laughs) But um, there is a parable in this Lakute Torah. uh, And it says this. This is the same one where it was talking about the whole, like, you need to show a great torch to the nation's to gather in those divine sparks yeah that was that was ridiculous so anyway um this is talking about the the ability to affect the world through torah and mitzvot you know you ever feel like uh how are we going to bring redemption how are we going to change the world how are we going to get death out of the world you know torah and mitzvot we have the ability this is why you know being a avenger kind of gives you literally this the shuva power causes shuva natural things to happen because you really like invest yourself into it like you know think about you know your superpowers your abilities you know uh let's see because i because i've been on this whole black knight kick which is efrati which is our shomer version of the black knight uh he contrary to popular belief is not a black person and uh I think he wears black in his costume, but it's more stuff to that. And he's a really interesting character. So apparently he has something with a sword and time travel and all this kind of stuff. And so, um, you know, you think about the ability of a character like this and you apply it to your observance, you know, the way in which you carry yourself as far as your conversations, your demeanor, your interaction, you know, and things like that. So you know, we just have an amazing ability to just like do this. And because we do this, we're affecting the world. If we didn't know, we truly are building the temple. We are building the tower of salvation. We're making a place and a refuge for divine sparks to gather up until the fullness thereof is when we will see the resurrection of the dead, the gathering in of all of Israel from the north to south, the east and the west into the new Yerushalayim. We're doing that right now. We're do- it's like this is crazy. It's happening. It's really happening. So, you know, continue to fight hard as much as you got with whatever you got. You know, like for me, you know, I'm just like I, I have plenty of time to put together sources and audio. So I want to do podcasting, you know, and I want to help people with questions, you know, and not answer them based off my opinion. Because when you're answering questions, please, please, please refrain from doing so with opinions and biasness. You know, try to always point to sources. Try to always, always, always connect dots. Connecting dots is probably the biggest thing you can do. Make sure you're teaching how to connect dots. You know, this is why I brought down when Rabbi GQ just said Abraham goes to the center of town and he starts, you know, doing his doing his deal. Okay, it's just like, okay, where have we seen this before? What is the uh, the accusation? What is the uh, what what is the uh, wow? What is the word I'm thinking of? What is the implication of this? Wow. Words. Funny things. So, you know, connect all those dots, line up those verses, and then, you know, have your takeaway, your practical takeaway. So what does that mean? Whatever we do, wherever we go, 
We need to be a beacon of hope, a beacon of Yeshua, a beacon of Torah, a beacon of redemption. You know, uh, one of the things I've been loving to do is just kind of share these little drops, you know, at work. You know, I was sharing the Mount Maria drop and the Bethlehem drop. You know, there was this whole thing about one of the 10 constant miracles is that there was always room in Jerusalem when the temple uh, was in existence. But, you know, look at that when there was no room in the end for Yosef, Miriam and Yeshua when he was being born. Like he had to be born outside because there was no room inside. It's like that would not have been a thing in Jerusalem. Like there would have been a room for wherever he needed to go. So... Anyway, so there's a little bit to that. That's on my Holy Temple intro on the Spoon Radio podcast. Anyway, shameless plug. Lakute Torah. The, the mitzvot and, the, and the, uh, the Torah, how it affects the world. It brings down a parable. It says, much of the world today is dependent on computers. How many of us remember the fear that anticipated the year 2000, otherwise known as Y2K? Due to a computer glitch caused by the new numerical value of 2000, none are not being recognized. So like we don't recognize the number 2000. So what's going to happen? It says one of the effects of this Computer glitch of Y2K occurred in the city of Sheffield and the United Kingdom. And it says in which core or in which incorrect Down syndrome tests results were sent. Incorrect Down syndrome tests results were sent to, yes, 154 women. Incorrect results were sent to 154 pregnant women. Think about that. That's crazy. And it says, and two abortions were carried out as a direct result. Four babies with Down syndrome were also born to mothers who have been told they were in the low risk group. Hence, we see the great dependency of the world on computers. Wow. That is just show-stopping right there. Like, whoa. Anyway, it says the function of any computer requires a flow of electricity. If one does not have electricity, the buttons that he presses will have no meaning or effect on anything. Once the electricity flow has been established, the actions that are performed on the keyboard can make the greatest of changes to the world. This is a parable for the effect of Torah and mitzvot of Abraham before and after the command of Lech Lecha. Prior to the command of Lech Lecha, the mitzvot performed by Abraham Avinu were not connected to godly electricity that makes the mitzvah alive and effective. I just want to drop in an insert that, you know, what was the status before Lech Lecha? He was with his father's house. He was in Ur Kasdim. He was on the other side of the Yardin. He was still 
surrounded by, you know, all of his upbringing and he wasn't really broken out yet. So here you have that your true connection to Hashem happens when you disconnect. And I'm laughing right now, practically crying, because one of the last things I got to do as a Christian was the Kingdom 150 thing that I was telling about. And I did a whole album series about it. The very first thing was called Disconnect. And I took a photo shoot at a power plant little site, which was so funny. It was like, since I love the whole concept of disconnect, I'm going to have the irony be that all my pictures for this album cover is going to be next to electricity. But I'm disconnecting now. And what this ultimately sparked was me becoming a Lapid. Like, this is where I became Phoenix and realized, oh... You're the fire on the altar without ceasing. You're not a phoenix bird. The reason why you feel like you're a bird on fire is because you're a bird that got sacrificed on the altar. And it's just like, I see how you can confuse that. You know, you silly, silly Gentile, Amet. Like, what are you doing? But anyway, uh, I say that very, very tongue in cheek. So I'm not trying to offend anybody to think, oh, I'm seeing a vision and it looks like this. And it's like, Argh wrong you silly gentile like no that's not what i'm saying please don't take it that way <laughs> i'm talking about myself okay i misinterpreted what i saw and it's just like okay you may you may think you're a firebird but you're not and you you know you're outside of torah and stuff right now so we got to work on that but anyway so ultimately that's how i got here and that's how i got the name of met aleph mem tav is why i go by that instead of saying that really you know, just call me a Met. It's like, well, Olive Memtov. Why Olive Memtov? Because it's an acronym. Aish Mizbeach Tamid. Fire on the altar without ceasing. You know, hence why all of my podcasts are like 15,000 hours long. You know, it's just like, because the fire just keeps going. So, hence... Your name is very important. And then I get upgraded with the Iron Man suit because I died almost practically in the wilderness in a cave. And um, that happened to me when I decided to think I'm going to be all about Halakha and forget about, you know, the community of Sar Shalom. And I'm going to tell the rabbi and the Zakanim what they need to know. It's just like, do you think you're you think this is honoring to Hashem when you do that? And I thought I was. I was like, Rabbi, what are we doing? Like, Zekanim, what are we doing? Like, the Shulchan Aruch says, the, the Mishneh Torah says, you know, it's like, okay, so are you studying Talmud? Nope. Okay, are you actively engaged in Musar? Nope. But this Halakha, though, I got it. And we're not doing it as a community. Yeah, like, that's where I was. So anyway... Hence, I needed to have uh, shrapnel pulled out of all facets of my body. And uh, thanks to Hashem, gave me my little arc reactor, so I'm good to go. So it's no coincidence that I'm Shomer Man is what I'm saying. We have similar backstories, at least from the movies. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, you know, I get to be called Shomer Man now. And what's a Shomer? a guardian, a fighter, a warrior, a keeper, and a guarder of the mitzvot. And it's like, man, hold it down. Okay? So, yeah. And besides, I truly do uh, have the same mentality as Tony Stark when it comes to what he said in the Age of Ultron. He says, nope, I am not the leader. 
My job is really just to make everything and make everybody look cool. Hence why we have Moggin, hence why I codify sources and have them ready to go for when people need them, you know, and then if people need names or for some reason, I don't know how I got this ability. It's truly Hashem, you know, seeing their characters for them. You know, some people don't know who their superheroes are and some people are surprised like Meora was surprised. Like, I'm a, I'm a superhero. I'm just a violent person who goes to Star Shalom. It's like, yeah, you're a superhero. Forget that. Like, no, you're a superhero. Get out of here. Or stay here and, and get do stuff that says you need to get out of here. But anyway, uh, yeah, so some reason I get to see this stuff. And then I'm like, Hashem, you're, you're doing it again. It's crazy, you know. And seeing people's names and, and seeing how that all connects together. It's just like, wow. I have those glasses that Tony Stark had in the uh, Endgame movie. It's like awesome. So I have X-ray vision now. Shouts out to Ishma Ali. We have the same vision. Woo! Anyway, where was I going with all this? Prior to Lech Lecha, Abraham was surrounded by all this stuff, and then after Lech Lecha, he was disconnected from Hashem. Yes, because when you disconnect is when you actually connect to Hashem. So back to the source. It says, prior to the command of Lech Lecha, the mitzvot performed by Abraham Avinu were not connected to godly electricity. That makes the mitzvot alive and effective. Hashem had not yet connected the mitzvot to godliness. Notice Hashem is who connects the mitzvot to the godliness, which means when we experience salvation, which would give us godliness. Now, when we do the mitzvot, that connection is brought to you by Hashem. That's right. And it says, which allowed them to affect the upper worlds. After the command, Leklekha, however, the surge of godliness was connected to the mitzvot, and the mitzvot then received power to affect the world. This is why the power of bringing the redemption is in our doing of teshuva, of mitzvot. Uh, I literally just got the opportunity. Oh, yes. This is where we're going to end for today. We'll index our time with Shonuf Pincus. All right. So I literally just got the Shonuf Pincus uh, commentary for this week right before I pressed record on this podcast. So I haven't got to read it all. So I'm going to do my best and fly through this real quick just to hit some highlights because some of these titles are just ridiculous. So uh, Bezra Hashem, everything will connect up, but I just got to share a few things. So the power of doing in the mitzvot and the teshuva and everything and bringing the redemption, affecting the world and all that, right? Because Hashem has connected the electricity, you know, so that when we are like a computer, when you press a button or do anything on a computer, there's the electrical impulses that goes and it causes something to actually happen. Same thing with the mitzvot. Post lech lecha. So when we all get to a place where we lech lecha, we leave, you know, our childhood, our upbringing, we break out of the shell of our klipa and all that, get connected with Hashem. Now we're going to have some ability to affect everything. Uh, so this is also just an encouragement to those who are uh, maybe still stuck in the idea of calling the Messiah by any other name other than Yeshua or, um, you know, wanting to stick to worship on Sundays as opposed to keeping the Shabbat, which are two totally different things. 
just because you go to shul on Shabbat doesn't necessarily mean you worship. And that's not a replacement for uh, worshiping on Sundays. And Sundays is not a replacement for keeping the Shabbat. It's a whole different arena. So that's neither here nor there when it comes to a comparison. Because some people go, oh, yeah, I can go to church on Sun or Saturday and keep the Shabbat. And it's like, no, Shabbat starts on Friday night. Um, there's a whole Seder that you do. Um, there's all of the observances of not kindling a fire, not getting angry, not spending money, you know, uh, not cooking, you know, everything is prepared and already ready. You know, you're sanctifying that day unto Hashem. Like there's all sorts of stuff going on. So anyway, but the power comes in our doing and this is how we affect the world. This is why everything is cool. Uh, with you believing in oral Torah, believing the Torah, believing in Yeshua. But when you start doing it, that's where people go, oh, you need to eat this pork or, ah, oh, you need to come celebrate this, this holiday party with me. It's just like when you start doing stuff, that's where you bring effect. When you start wearing your kippah, wearing your tekel, you know, uh, rapping to feeling when you start you know, davening from your sedur when you start studying your Torah portion and actually doing what you study. It's like, that's where the power literally is shown. People know it. You don't have to say anything, you know, and that's what I'm really starting to become super aware of because I'm realizing why people react to me the way that they do when I'm at work or when I'm out and about. It's because they already know. They know I'm different. They know I'm Jewish. They get it. And so it's just kind of like, wow, okay, before I even say anything, can I, can I introduce myself? <laughs> it's like, no, I know, I know you're spiritual, you're righteous. Like one of the funniest things that happened to me today was Yeshiyahu and another uh, coworker of mine who I affectionately have deemed to be the beast from X-Men. So I call him Chayot. I haven't gotten to call him this yet, but, uh probably newsflash to him if he ever gets to hear this podcast but yes he is the blue man from the x-men the beast and because um, he's violent he throws down exactly like him and he's super smart but anyway uh yeshiyahu and beast were talking which by the way yeshiyahu is the ninja guiding character so i call him ninja master that's neither here nor there i, I realize but i just like to shout them out uh so ninja so yeshiyahu and beast were talking and um, they apparently were talking about Luke 22. And literally, Beast was like, oh, yeah, Luke 22, 42. You know already. You you already know what we're talking about. We just, I just wanted to let you know that's what this violence is over here. Because I've been telling them, you know, hey, what y'all being violent about? You know, so they always share insights and stuff. And they're, they're actually connecting some Torah insights to it. And, you know, so that's kind of new for them. And they're trying to get it all worked out. You know, they're both. Uh, on that path of understanding there's things that the church is leaving out and that's that's a problem because it's hard to understand the bible when you leave stuff out namely sources but anyway so they were doing that and it was funny because i was like how how do you even know i mean i do know what that passage is all about that's to let this cup be taken from me if not your not my will but your will be done but it was just kind of like crazy because they were like, yeah, you already know this. So, yeah, that's what we're talking about. So, yeah, I know you got some drops on that. And I'm like, wow, like what? It's like my suit is shining like that. It's like, man, you got your 
your rocket is like sticking out like it's ready to fire away like you know i already see like your little scan mode going off and i'm like i didn't even do anything i was just gonna you know shake your hand and be like good morning they're like, no, no, you don't ever just shake our hand and say good morning. You come in just like violent. And I'm like, oh, my bad. <laughs> Not really. Because I want redemption. I don't know. How about you? Anyway, so we we have an effect when we do stuff is the point. So, and uh, Shodanaf Pincus on Pajina Cinco, page five. He brings down what's posted in our hallway at Sar Shalom. Mishnah Avot 1-2. The world stands on three pillars. On Torah. On religious service. And on the performance of acts of kindness. And then it says above this. Our holy Sepharim such as Divrei Yisrael and Ohel Torah address Rashi's comment. That it is. Slika, it is evident from the Pasuk that only Abraham is to be mentioned and not the other to uh, a vote. And this is all connected to the first blessing of the Amidah, where we talk about Magen Abraham, the shield of Abraham. And then it says that Yaakov is the pillar of Torah. This comes from Zohar Vayetze 146b. Yaakov is the pillar of Torah. He studied Hashem's Torah day and night. Yitzhak is the pillar of religious service. He was placed on the Mizbeach as a korban at the ordeal of the Akedah. So the whole pillar of religious service is about being a living sacrifice. Just want to point that out. This is why we're supposed to read the Akedah every day because today... By the mercies of God, we're supposed to present ourselves as a living sacrifice. And we couple that with our studying Torah day and night. And then it says, Abraham is the pillar of acts of kindness. He went to great lengths and personal sacrifice to welcome guests into his home. So it does all that. And it says, uh, it is obvious why the first bracha corresponding to Abraham, whose meta was kindness, chesed, incorporates the formula who recalls the kindnesses of the patriarchs and brings a redeemer to their children's children for his namesake with love and concludes blessed to you Adonai shield of Abraham for as we have learned the conclusion of Galut exile will come about primarily in the merit of Abraham's Mida the performance of acts of kindness this explains very nicely why Hakadosh Baruch Hu said to Abraham, "The conclusion is on your account, not theirs. Get you some." So we really want to see this exile being done. It's all about acts of kindness. Uh, Magen Abraham. When we say Baruch Adonai, Magen Abraham. Amen. Okay, so it says the conclusion of Hakadosh Baruch's bracha and promise to Abraham, and you will be a bracha. Rashi comments, we might have thought the bracha would conclude with the names of all of them: Abraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. The pasuk 
teaches us, however, and you will be a bracha. We conclude the bracha with you and not with them. Sanhedrin 44a, a Jew, although he has sinned, is still a Jew. Although he has sinned, this innermost Jewish focal point remains unblemished within him. Therefore, his Jewish sanctity is preserved. This explains why we often see total wicked ones, Reshaim, inspired to perform Teshuva. It is this internal unblemished focus that triggers their Teshuva. In other words, the wicked are full of remorse. Sefer Hazikut, the Kiddushé Harim, teaches a tremendous Kiddush. The internal focus or Jewish focus is a legacy from Abraham Avinu. He implanted it in every Jew until the end of time. With this in mind, he interprets Hakadosh Baruch's pronouncement to Abraham, Bereshit 15.1. Fear not, Abraham, I am a shield for you. Altira Abraham Anoki Magan Lak. Bazaar Hashem, I will be reading that from the Bema on Shabbat, making Aliyah for real to read the fifth Aliyah, because uh, we get to read from the Torah scroll with Hebrew Hashem this week. So I'm excited getting to read that passage. So what's connected to this? It says Abraham feared perhaps a Jew's internal focal point would become tarnished and blemished due to his transgressions. Consequently, he would forfeit the status of Israel. Therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu assured him that he would safeguard it and it would remain unblemished. This is the meaning of Magen Avraham. Although a Jew has sinned, he is still a Jew and he can make Teshuvah. May we all be that way. May we all, regardless of everything, continue to fight the good fight, press towards the high mark of the upper call in Mashiach Yeshua. Not that we've attained it all, not that we got it all together, but we strain and we press toward the high mark and we take a hold of the kingdom by force. No one should be able to take us out of the covenant because no one brought us into the covenant because it's just us and Hashem. Remember, that is salvation. Ani vaho hoshiana. May it be so. And may we all lekleka and may we all merit to have a Vayera, which is next week's Torah portion, which is where Hashem shows up. And notice it's all working hand in hand that Abraham left and disconnected himself from things that limited him and kept him inside the box, so to speak, kept him on the other side of the Jordan. And after he left and came to this side of the Jordan and connected with Hashem and today heard his voice, uh, went through Mila, circumcision, not only of the flesh, but of the heart, the soul, the mind, the spirit, that Hashem appeared to him. And then he went all the way as far as to do the Akedah. Okay, so like that is what we're looking at. And so may we all merit to see that. May we all gather in those divine sparks, not see anyone too far from Hashem, because if someone is a true divine spark, their soul, their very core of them is unblemished because of the Magen Abraham. And these wicked people can make Teshuva. And let's remember to say, hey, 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 let's not talk down to anyone or let's not go off on our rants about the holidays and let's ask Hashem to draw us all into Teshuva. 
May we see the fullness of the Goyim being brought into covenant, returned home to Torah, as long as or as along with us returning to Hashem moment by moment, hour after hour, experiencing salvations and consolations. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Baruch atah Adonai. Eloheinu melech haolam. Asher natan lanu Torah temet. Vekaye olam natabetokeinu. Baruch atah Adonai. Noten ha Torah. Amen.